Today I want to continue on my theme, and that's, that theme is Christ in the book of Acts. And it's so wonderful as God was doing great things through the apostles. And I'm going to read today from Acts chapter 5, verse 40, and then Acts chapter 6, 1 to 15. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flocked them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Yes, you heard it right. You heard it right. They were rejoicing because they were found worthy to sh suffer for Jesus' name. And every day in a temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned, interesting, that's the first time in the New Testament and the first time in Acts where that one disciple who was voted in or was actually brought in to add up from 11 to 12 before you read in Acts 11. And there was one missing. Who was that? Judas, we know. But there was one coming in, and that's for the very first time, he was counted to the 12, and his name was Matthias. Yes, sometimes we think Matthias, he was about the fifth wheel in a car. No? Here he was coming, and was also called the twelve summoned the whole church, the congregation of the disciples, and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men and of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of the task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. How wonderful. Do we see something here? You do this, serving your tables, and we will dedicate ourselves totally to prayer and to studying the word. So you know every pastor what he has to do. This statement found approval with the whole congregation and they choose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, 
Prochorus, Nicamor, Timon. And these, they brought before the apostle. And after praying, they laid their hands on them. The word of God kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued, continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. All the priests, with all the knowledge had to do, was become obedient. Not that it should be brought around and say, well, you have to understand it. No. It has also totally something to do with obedience. Believing in Jesus Christ is not just a matter that it clicks finally up here. Believing in Jesus Christ has something to do with obedience. And many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men from them was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Kyrenians and Alexandrians and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and argued with Stephen, but they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit which, with which he was speaking. Then they secretly introduced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous word against Moses and against God. And he stirred up the people, the elder and the scribes, and they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. They put forward false witnesses who said, this man increasingly speaks against the holy place and the law. For we have heard him say this, that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy this place and after the customs on an altar and the custom which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. There he was, lying perhaps on the ground and being dragged before the council. And everybody looked at Stephen and all saw his face was shining and was like the face of an angel, worthy to suffer for Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were blessing your people the apostles, and the early church in Jerusalem so mightily, hallelujah, because they were totally obedient to you and believed in you. And I thank the Lord that you will bless us this morning. I pray, Lord, give grace to speak your word, give grace to listen to your word, and also give grace to act upon your word in obedience. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now the Jerusalem church was still under persecution. 
although the counsel of that great teacher and his name was Gamaliel. He took the, the counsel and said, listen, you can't do anything wrong to these people. Then we know those who stood up lately and they wanted to do something and the names are being named there. And I, everything it was by man and everything fell flat. And if this is of man, this will fall flat. But if it is of God, then we will find ourselves fighting against God. And then they rather, they brought them in, the disciples brought them in again. And then they flocked them. And then they were sent home. And we read a very interesting sentence. They went home full of joy rejoicing that they were, have been considered worthy to suffer for his name. Yes, yes, you heard it right. They were rejoicing because they were considered by God to be worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Do you know suffering for Jesus is necessary I know our churches and the Western world, they think of everything else. They have themes and they invite for these things. And I read a little comment. There was a church in persecution and they had a church camp. Something similar we are going to have in January and February. And they had a wonderful theme. And the theme was this. The joy of suffering. Now I don't know if this theme would be announced at any of these big churches and prosperity churches. I don't know how many would come to such a camp. They rather come to camps like uh, this. Color your world for the girls. Or let's have a good time and all these things. They have no idea and our church nowadays is suffering shy. Is shy to suffer and suffering belongs to it. And it's very important. Now this sort of treatment being flocked, I haven't been flocked, but I had a little bit of suffering as well in my early ministry. Just, just, just a little bit. But I tell you, they came out from the, from the council and they were rejoicing. Peter said perhaps to John, praise the Lord. And how are you going, John? Oh, I'm going well. The joy of the Lord is above me and the Holy Spirit gives me a wonderful testimony of joy. Do you know, we have been considered worthy to suffer for Jesus. Hallelujah, perhaps, John answered. Hallelujah. What would you say? What would you say? Oh, it hurts quite a bit. But flocking is a real, real bad treatment. And they went home. 
And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, 11 to 12, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What kind of people will there perish for sure in heaven? People who have been persecuted. They will be there for sure. And Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. You don't go then to the board of of equality or what is called, you know, equal chance or equal opportunity board. You don't go there. No. They rejoice in the Lord. And Jesus said, rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In order to have a great reward in heaven, it will come through persecution. Not that I'm looking for persecution. I know what it means. And I read also the Barnabas Fund, what these brothers and sisters go through. Horrible things. I'm not looking for these, but I want to be very decisive for Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus shall be everything for me. Amen. Jesus is my whole goal in life. Everything for Jesus. Found or found worthy to suffer. Now, how puny Christianity or Western Christianity, we have got no idea. We want everything smooth, you know. We want to enjoy all these things of the world. Movies and all that stuff. Dancing and all this stuff. That's what we want. You can't have it. If you want to be in heaven, you might perhaps go through persecution and even perhaps disregarded by other Christians. Don't you worry, that can come. We experience it. We experience it. But I tell you, I know the joy of the Lord. I know the joy. No. What did Moses do? And Pastor Gary preached, I think, two Sundays ago. Yes? Yeah, or me. Three, three or four Sundays ago. And it was good. It was good. Moses, and the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 11, 24 to 26, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather uh, to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. There is no joy in sin. It's all passing. And before you enjoy it, it has passed and you might stand before the throne of God. I don't know. Listen, listen, There is no joy 
in sin. There's no joy in worldliness wherever you might go. If that, that cinema is not go, then you go to the next one. It's the same garbage. The same garbage. There's nothing to enjoy in this world. Nothing. And Moses said, no, I don't want to be called a daughter of Pharaoh's or a, a son of Pharaoh's daughter. I don't want to be called that. I don't want to have all this entertainment considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Hallelujah. 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 Considering the reproach of Christ, I think that was your thing. The reproach of Christ. Was it? Yes? Are you wearing the reproach of Christ? And he said, this is greater riches. For he was looking to the reward. There is a reward to come. Amen? There's a reward to come. If you want to have your reward in this world, you won't get any in heaven. Whether you will make it to heaven at all is questionable. Now, Paul, suffering was laid into his spiritual cradle. Did you know that? When Ananias came to him, and the Lord said to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, 17, For I will show him how much he can suffer. No, for how much he must suffer. Do you get another a different way at look, looking at things. Not what he may suffer, but what he must suffer. And that was put in his spiritual cradle straight away. Suffer for my name's sake. And oh, did Paul suffer? Study Paul. And he checked up on other apostles. Oh, if Anybody want to be an apostle? And then he looks up what he had suffered. Have the others suffered that too? I mean, some apostles had. But there were some people who came up and had that idea, I'm an apostle, apostle, apostle. As we have apostles nowadays who say, well, we are now the apostles. No way. Paul would say, show me your suffering Show me, where have you been suffering? Have you suffered for Jesus? Have you? I have suffered a little bit, but compared to what Paul and all, all these men of God in Acts suffered, I had some persecution in my early ministry. You know, I'm a little bit older than some of you. And so I was as a young pastor in North Germany between Holland and Germany. There's a little or a place that's been called Ostfriesland. 
And I came there and I was eager for the Lord. And so I had um, on Thursday afternoon a church service in a house. And um, all these people, the, some uh, elderly ladies, uh, widows and so I had a car and I had to go and pick them up and bring them to the house where we had our meeting. I came to a place and uh, so the door was opened and the sister my husband is home today. My husband is home. And before I knew it, somebody, he looked like the little brother from Goliath. He stood in front of me. And then he screamed at me, Are you the sick preacher here in this area? And then I knew what he wanted. And then I, I went, and I knew she couldn't come to church this day because Goliath's little brother was behind her. And I had my car still running on the street. That means the engine running. And I went back, and then we drove to the service in a house. Now, the next Thursday, pardon? Oh, yes. When I turned around, so because he, he had a hand like a frying pan, you know. So, and when I turned around, I didn't want to take a fight with him. You know, I'm not a street fighting thug. And so, as I go, bang! I tell you, I felt it here in my back. Very, very badly. But I remembered what, what Jesus said, what the apostle said. And I was full, full of joy. I jumped in the car and I had my, we had a service there, a wonderful service. And the Lord was with us. And then I came uh, back the next Thursday afternoon. So I rang the doorbell and she came again. My husband is there again. He couldn't go to work because he had a big, swollen knee. And then I remembered somewhere, you know the Bible as well, do not touch the anointed of the Lord. Don't do it. Don't do it. You might get a swollen knee, I don't know. But he had it. So he couldn't go to work. And she couldn't come then either. Now, we see here something. That's what they suffered. That was not much what I suffered. Of course, I, I saw my, my car. I got a new car. And that car was pushed into a deep, deep ditch because I went there. Um, a few teenagers of a uh, widow, they wanted to be baptized. And I thought, I'm going to come and give them a little bit of uh, baptismal teaching and so on. And uh, so I parked my car there. And when I came out, when we finished the teaching, I was looking for my car. It was gone. And I was proud of them. And some might know there was a Ford 12M. Anybody knows that kind? 1.2 liter engine. 
It was uh, white with a red roof. Wonderful car. And I couldn't find it. And you know, then I saw the car sticking out with the back end out of a very deep, uh, deep ditch and it was pushed in there. So how should I get it out? And the sister said, well, I'm going to go to the neighbor. And there was a, a farmer. He was a farmer. And he had a big tractor. He came and pulled it out from there. All these things I experienced. Praise the Lord. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I kept serving. And when we, Ella went sometimes with me, and she was always scared about me, what happened to me. At one time, they made a roadblock, and we heard through some others. They have a roadblock somewhere, and they're going to stop you and will bash you through. I don't know what they wanted to, to do, but we went a different way. Hallelujah. As the Lord gave us wisdom. Now, this was then. And we see here the early church was still under persecution. And as the church grew and more and more came to the Lord and they got baptized and came to the Lord. And uh, then we read, there was in the church a little bit of a problem. There were few Greeks or ladies or widows. They have been overlooked. Uh, I don't know how it was going then there, but obviously they didn't get their portion of food. Had been overlooked. And the apostle said, this is not good. And he said, well, we come together, all 12. And then they spoke to the people and said, well, now you choose from yourself. You choose from yourself. Seven men with a good testimony or good reputation and let them look after the food and stuff like that. They had plenty of money perhaps because houses were sold, you know. And people gave the money to the church and they looked after the widows. So far, so good. And there was one chosen, his name was Stephen. So in German we read Stephanus and in Greek you would read Stephanos. That's right. Okay. Now they came and they had to have qualifications. And the qualification first of all, a good reputation. They should have a good name before the world for others as well and also in the church. They could say, as James said, this brother is a good brother. And that there was something, and that's what they should have had. And they should have been full of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's what, that was a recommendation. That means in the life of one of these things, of these brothers, the fruit and also the gift of the Spirit should have been evident if the Lord hasn't given you 
Any gift of the Spirit, pray for it. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the edification of the whole church. And I must say, I'm, I'm missing in this church at the moment the gifts of the Spirit. And I can't give them to you. They come from the Lord. He gives the gifts, hallelujah. But we should seek for the best gifts, as, Peter, as, as Paul says. Very clearly in 1 Corinthians 14. Look for the best gifts. Then we want to edify the, edify the church. And the other thing was full of wisdom. Yeah, in, in working in the church and doing these things, you need wisdom. You don't have favored people in the church. Ah, there's a favored family. You give them a little bit more. No. And did you know an interesting, interesting, all these seven deacons were they called, all these seven deacons were Greek Hellenists because they were able to read all the Greek names on the list. It's a very hard thing, isn't it? Of course, for you Greek is no problem, but for many others, there's so many things in one name they put some of them as long. But these Greeks were able to read it and that's why they couldn't miss any Greek widows. Now, this Stephen became an evangelist. He didn't have a paper, I'm an evangelist. Evangelist Stephen. No. He was just a normal brother in the church. All he did was doing cup of coffees for the widows or bringing food to their homes and so on. But he was full of grace and of the power and he was performing great wonders and signs. Stephen, he was preaching and he was preaching in one particular synagogue. You have read it there, yes? Peter, or Stephen, but some men from the, was called the synagogue of the freed man. Do you know what it is? The synagogue of the freed man? This was a Greek-speaking synagogue. Now, I looked it up, and one of the German teachers, Bible teacher, Werner de Boer, and he said, why is it called? And he says, in the year 63 before Christ, B.C., there was an emperor, and he went to Jerusalem to, yeah, to win Jerusalem, whatever. And Pompeius was his name. And when he came back from Jerusalem, he took a lot 
of slaves, Hebrew slaves, Jews, to Rome and sold them there in the slave market. And they settled in different areas. They settled, for instance, in Kyrene. They settled in Alexandrian. They settled in Cilicia, in Asia. And all these came back. They were slaves. They came back and they became free men. That's why it's called the freed men, the synagogue of the freed men. They came back. And that's where Stephen went to preach. That's where he went. Because being a Greek, he went to the Greek synagogue. And one day perhaps he might have preached very clearly and strongly that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and everybody must repent. Greek and, and Jews. And all of a sudden these people, they had enough of him. And they argued with him. And interesting, these Greek or these ex-slaves, they learned how to argue when they learned Greek. And Greek can argue, I tell you what. Paul had a problem with some Greek, you know, on the Areo Park. And they came with all these things and they were disregarding Paul a little bit. What, 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 what do you know? And Paul preached the gospel then that God has demanded and commanded that every man from every nation must repent because God has set a day on which he is judging the whole world. And because he said God has overlooked the time of innocence, no, not knowing. Ignorance. God has overlooked the time of ignorance. Now God commands that every man and everybody should repent. Now these Hellenistic synagogue leaders, they were amazed. They couldn't, they couldn't get, get it. That this Stephen is debating them and they did not have to say anything or they couldn't say anything because they were not able to fight against that spirit or to do any, anything. And we see they got angry and then when they were at the end of their wits, you know what they do? And that's always what the devil does. When he can't win, you know what he does? He looks for false witnesses. And they introduce secretly false witnesses. Now, false witnesses came into action, you remember, with Naboth, this Jezreelite, who had a wonderful vineyard very close by King Ahab. And one day over the fence 
Ahab came and said, Naboth, uh, you, you live anyway somewhere there, but this is so handy for me. I want to buy this vineyard from you. I wanna, what, what do you want to do? I want to do a veggie garden. And he said, no, I'm not giving away what I have inherited from my fathers. Don't give away what you have inherited through Jesus Christ in your life. Don't give away. Hallelujah. Don't give away. Now, Satan did the same trick with Jesus. He introduced false witnesses. And all these witnesses said horrible, stupid things. And we have heard same in this. Tear down the temple and in three days I will raise him up. Satan did it here with Stephen too. And these were coming and were saying all sorts of things. And then finally, they dragged him before the council, before the Sanhedrin. And there he was. He was there, lying perhaps because he dragged him, lying, looked up, and his face shone. His face looked like the face of an angel. Hallelujah. The glory of God was upon him as he was persecuted. Hallelujah. His face was like the face of an angel. Now, Stephen, he preached. He was full of the Holy Spirit and full of grace and full of the power of God. Hallelujah. And then he preached. And he preached the longest defense sermon in Acts. Very long. What did he preach? Do you know that? And he started, Dear brothers, our father Abraham. And he went all the way back from Abraham. And then he rolled all the things before them. How God spake to Abraham. And you followed. And you are now living in this land. And so now when, when they heard this, they were angry. And they started to cast rocks upon him. Stephen, a man of faith, a man of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Your church will not be cast down by any power of the devil. When we are close to you, Lord Jesus, I thank you Then we have victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. I will bless you this morning. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that everyone may really become 
fully, fully engage with you that our whole life we might serve you and that you will save people. I thank you. Blessed be your name. Amen.